Lord, you're worthy of all of our praise, God. You're worthy of it all. You can be seated at this time. As you may have noticed, Pastor is not here this morning. He and his family still on vacation, hopefully getting some much-needed rest. He's going to come back fired up and rested, and we're thankful for a pastor that takes time to rest. Amen. But you are in for a treat this morning. We have Brother Lewis from Germany. He's a missionary to Germany. He's back with us again. He was here last Sunday. I was not able to be in that service, but from what I have seen and heard, it was an incredible service. I know we baptized five people last Sunday. We've already got news of some more that are wanting to be baptized. Incredible what God's going to do this morning. You are not going to regret coming to church this morning. So at this time, Brother Lewis is going to come and he's going to bring us a word from the Lord and we're going to receive it. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Happy 4th of July. It's an honor to be back here today and uh, appreciate everybody that took the time to come to church. All of you that are that are guests here. We're glad that you've decided to join us at the Pentecostal Church. And uh, this is a great place to be. Amen. Amen. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm not going to delay going into the Word of the Lord. I'm going to go to the book of John chapter 1 and verse 6. And uh, I see some of you standing. If everybody, would, if, if that's your custom, we can stand in honor of the reading of the Word. I'm so very glad today to have Tanya with me. I always feel complete when she's here. I'm so glad you're here, babe. And uh, I would like to say also, I know last week there was a talk about Mother's Memorial. As you know, uh, Tanya and I are appointed missionaries. And uh, just to give you an idea of what Mother's Memorial does for missionaries, we are a direct recipient of your giving. Uh, We, when we move to the field, of course, uh, one of the main things we need right off the bat is a vehicle. And Mother's Memorial purchases vehicles for uh, missionaries. And so we travel around the nation, actually many nations in Europe, because of your giving. Because we have a very nice, dependable vehicle. That, that, But it all starts right here in the United States with churches like uh, TPC that give. And we also have appliances in the house uh, because of your giving. So our clothes are clean. Hallelujah. Because of your giving. Amen. And we appreciate that. Thank you so much for, for your sacrifice. It does, it does work. It does go beyond these walls and affect people around the world when you decide to give to Mother's Memorial. So if you haven't thought about that, I'm just telling you, it's a worthy cause because I have been on both sides. I've been on the giving side, but I've also been on the receiving side of Mother's Memorial. So thank you, amen, for your giving. Praise God. <clears throat> John chapter 1 verse number 6 if you're here today and you've never repented of your sins I want you to know that it's a simple process it's not it's not a uh, maybe not an easy process always but when you're truly heartfelt and you truly ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins he will forgive you It, it really is that easy God is waiting to forgive us of the mistakes that we've made and uh, I'm so grateful for that amen And so, but if you've never repented, today's the perfect day to do that. And if you've never been baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, or maybe you're not even 100% sure how you were baptized, today is a good day to get baptized in the name of Jesus. 
The Bible talks about when you're baptized in his name that it literally wipes away your sins. It cancels out the, the mistakes, the sins that you have, have made. So if you're tired of carrying around the shame and the guilt and the reproach from all of your past, get baptized in Jesus' name. Well, I didn't come ready. I don't have clothes and I don't have towels. That's okay. You didn't come ready, but we did. We've got robes. We've got towels. We've got warm water. We've got a man of God ready to baptize. In fact, somebody's already planning on being baptized at the end of service, at least one. So if there's anybody else that begins to feel the need, amen, to obey the word of God and be baptized, today's a perfect day. You talk about liberty. Come on. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I'm telling you, you're missing life's greatest experience. It's simply where the Spirit of God moves inside of you and begins to urge you toward holy things. Amen. And ultimately, we call it receiving the Holy Ghost or getting the Holy Ghost, but it's literally being possessed of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God moves inside you and begins to direct you. And I'm telling you, it's life's greatest experience. Can I get a witness out there? Praise God. Amen. John chapter 1, verse number 6. We do miss Pastor very, very much. And uh, I know you guys do. You're tired of me. After two weeks, you're ready for Pastor to get up here. So, uh, amen. He'll be back soon, ready to rock and roll. John chapter 1, verse number 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the Light. Now, I want you to notice that light has been capitalized, which means it has been personified, which means it's referring to a very specific person. Anybody want to take a shot at who that person is? Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. The next verse, he, uh, that was the true light. There it is again. Which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word. Now, hey, wait a minute. There it is again. It's capitalized. It's personified. We're still talking about Jesus. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. One translation said the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I'm glad we serve a God who's close to us. Come on, the world has an idea that he's somewhere out there, but that's just not the truth. We serve a God who is near us. We serve a God who can hear you when you pray. We serve a God that when you call on his name, you're not having to scream for him because he's right there with, come on, every day, all day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 360. Come on, I'm talking about a present God. The Bible said he's a very present help. So I'm going to preach to you the weirdest title you've ever heard in your life. Bless Brother Grigsby's heart. I sent him my title and he sent me back. He said, this is, this is your title? <laughs> Here's my title. It'll make sense in a minute. 7,700 
and 42. 7,742. If you believe the word of God is real and alive, would you just help me pray right now that God would just bring revelation into this house today to every heart and mind. Come on, help me pray. Somebody with the Holy Ghost, somebody that's been baptized in Jesus' name, help me pray for a move of the Holy Ghost and for a spirit of revelation. I give you thanks. Hallelujah. Bring a spirit of revelation. Cause your word to come alive in our hearts today. Amen. If you believe the words alive, say amen. <laughs> you may be seated. The greatest revelation ever written in scripture is the identity of Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now these two verses the Jews call the Shema. And they consider these verses the choicest portion of scripture. They write it in their phylacteries. That's the little black boxes you see on their heads or on their arms. And they think themselves obliged to say it twice a day and very happy in being so obliged. They have this saying among themselves. They say, blessed are we. Who every morning and every evening say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They do it their best to let it be the first thing that their children hear as soon as they're born. And they do their best to let it be the last words out of their mouth before they die. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You see, they believe the God whom they serve is infinitely and eternally perfect, self existent and self-sufficient they believe he's the one only living and true god that he only is god and that he is but one this firm belief of this evident truth would eventually arm israel against all idolatry it was these verses amen and and moses teaching uh, uh, that this is a priority the belief in one god but he also gave us a means of preserving that priority And as time went on, the proper understanding of those verses, the Shema, was no longer grasped by the people of God. And and they began to be led away to idols and to other lands and to exile. In fact, Hosea said it like this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They got away from who God really was and they started getting uh, enamored with the things of the world. But but Moses, uh, he went on to make sure that we got this. He said... But he said, I want you to teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. He said, you shall bind them for a sign on your hand and put it as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the post of thy house and upon thy gates. He said, teach it to your children constantly and consistently. He said, let it be involved in everything you see and do. Let it be the first thing you see when you walk in your home there outside on your gate. And let it be the last thing you see when you walk out of the house right there on the post. I'm telling you, there is but one God. Here, oh, Israel. The Lord, our God, is one. Amen. The Old Testament clearly states there is but one God. Deuteronomy 4 says, Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, and there is none 
else. 2 Samuel said, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee. Isaiah 43 says, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Isaiah 45 said, There is no God beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Listen, if you know of more gods, you know more than God himself. Because he said, I'm sitting up here, and I'm looking around, and there's no other God but me. I'm all by myself. Here! Oh, Israel, the Lord our God is one. Oh, that's just an old fogey Old Testament doctrine. No, no, no. Let's go to the New Testament. Titus 2 said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Mark said it like this. Amen. He told the story about the scribes coming to Jesus and they began to reason together and they thought they were going to put Jesus on the spot and they said, hey, master, what is the first commandment? And Jesus answered them, the first of all commandments is here. Oh, Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. The apostle Paul said it over and over. He said things like there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. He's the God and father of all. He's not the God and then another father. No, he's the God and father of us all. Amen. Who is above all? And through all and in you all. I like the way he told the Colossian church. He said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the God. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He told the Romans, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. And who is overall God blessed forever. He just told us Jesus was God. Now, some theologians have the idea that whenever the Bible uses a capital G for the word God, it's referring to God the Father as a separate being. But watch what happened to Stephen as he was being stoned in Acts 7, 59. It said, and as they stoned, they stoned Stephen. So the stones are coming. They're flying at Stephen. He's being pelted. And he's calling upon the Lord. That's what it said. They stoned him while he's calling on, the, on God. Capital G. He's calling on God. And this is what he said. And saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Amen. He was calling on God, but he went ahead and called him by his name because his name is Jesus. In fact, the Bible teaches us, it states clearly from front to back that God is one. The scripture either directly infers or distinctly states that God is one no less than 7,742 times. The scripture teaches in the mouth of just two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If we only need two or three witnesses to establish the truth, then my Lord, what are we going to do with 7,742 witnesses that God is one? I think God's trying to make a point, and that is here, oh, TPC of the Quincy, there's only one God. Amen. Psalms 89 calls him the Holy One. Acts 22 calls him the Just One. Isaiah 30 calls him the Mighty One. Isaiah 57 calls him the Lofty and High One. Isaiah 19 calls him the Great One. Amen. Listen, the defining factor of our faith is not our music. 
The defining factor of our faith is not our worship. It's not our modesty and holiness or our methods. It is the revelation that we have of the identity of Jesus Christ. We do not serve some idea of God. We don't serve a theory of God. We don't serve a concept of God. We don't serve a philosophy of God. We know who we worship. We're worshiping the God, the creator of all things. But we know his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. In history, there have been many men who would be God, but there was only one God that would be man. And he put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Come on now. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I like the way that Paul put it in Colossians 1, 13. He said, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us and to the kingdom of his dear son. So we're talking about the son. Talking about the son. That's the subject. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Still talking about the son. We have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Mm. Who is? Are you ready? The image of the invisible God. Now the word image there is the Greek word ikone. Where we get our English word icon now God knew we were going to have a struggle understanding that God is everywhere at all times okay if he's everywhere at all times that means he's nowhere absent so wherever you are he is now sometimes our terminology we make it sound like God is not everywhere at all times you know let's just invite the presence of the Lord into this place he's not at the bus stop waiting on somebody to pick him up he He's already here. We're not inviting him. He's already here. Listen, he's in this building whether we feel him or not. Now, he does not manifest his presence everywhere. But he is everywhere. Okay, I mean, think about it. You're walking down, uh, the, you know, you're over here at Brookshire's and you're walking down your aisle six or whatever. And, and it, most likely you're not going to have a Holy Ghost throwdown. But he's there. Now, now if the key is when we come into places like this and we're all beginning to reach out to him, then he begins to manifest himself and he lets us know, hey, he's here. But I think all of us probably in here have experienced it. You may have been somewhere where it was not a normal place for a manifestation, but all of a sudden you began, uh, something happened and you started praying and start reaching out to God. And how many of you know what it's like to be driving down the road and all of a sudden there's a manifestation of the presence of God? Or maybe you're, maybe you're at work and something goes on and there's a manifestation listen when you start crying out to him he's going to manifest himself amen but this is a powerful little verse here because it's talking about how that he was the icon now i I am not a smart person when it comes to to uh phones and 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 apps and all this stuff but but here's my iphone most of us have one of these smartphones or you at least have a computer an ipad and it's covered with these things called what icons now, now I, I am not, I've pastored people that were so smart, they won awards creating apps, and they, they understand all the gobbledygook behind that. All I know is when I need to go from Slidell, Louisiana to De Quincey, I go over and I hit the maps button. And guess what? I click on that icon and I get the whole program. 
An icon. Here's the definition of an icon. It's an understandable representation of the whole program. See, we were struggling to wrap our brain around a God who's everywhere at all times. So he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to send an icon, but it's not just going to be a little bit of me or a junior me. But when you click on Jesus, honey, you get the whole program. You're getting all of God when you open up Jesus. Oh. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Hey, man, Jesus is a solitary deity. He has no peers. I like that song we've been singing of late. He has no rivals and he has no equals. Hallelujah. The message of Jesus is himself. Jesus is God's plan in a man. Jesus is the understandable representation of the mighty God. Listen, you can't stop this message. Hell can't stop this message. You can, you can look and even see uh, what James, the brother of Jesus, said in James 2.19. He said, if thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, for the devils also believe and tremble. If there's any message that upsets the devil, it's when somebody starts preaching and believing that there is but one God. He wants you to believe there's this multiplicity of gods that, that you've got to figure out which one to go to. No, no, no. All you've got to do is call one name and when you call the name of Jesus you're calling on the God who created all things but we have to understand that Jesus is fully God and fully man as a man he was put to death but as God he raises the dead as a man he was led as a sheep to the slaughter but as God he is the good shepherd as a man, he was sold for 30 pieces of silver, but as God, he redeems the world. As a man, he wept in John 11, but as God in Revelation 21, he dries all our tears. As God, he hears our prayers, but as a man, he prayed. As a man, he paid tribute, but as God, he is the king of all kings. As a man, he got weary, but as God, he is our rest. As a man, he got thirsty, but as God, he's the water of life. As a man, he got weak and even needed help carrying his cross. But as God, he's omnipotent. As a man, he got sleeping, had to take a nap in the bottom of the boat. But he never sleeps and he never slumbers as God. As a man, he got hungry, but as God, he feeds the multitudes. One prominent mainstream denominal pastor said the Trinity is an incomprehensible mystery. You see, people want us to think that we can never understand the Godhead. But Jesus felt otherwise because in the word of the Lord in Romans 1 and 20, it said, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. So there's some invisible things. There's some things we can't see, but he said, you know what? I'm going to make them clear. You really, it's a secret, but I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. Well, who are you going to tell, Lord? Who's going to understand these things? Well, they're going to be understood by the things that are made. Well, who's that? That's me and you. He, he created us. He made us. So he said, I've got some secrets that I'm going to reveal to my people. 
Well, what are you going to reveal? What are these secrets? Well, he tells us. We don't have to guess. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Listen, it, it is not some incomprehensible mystery that we cannot understand. There is simply one God. Now, when you try to convolute it, then, then it's going to get muddy and you ain't going to understand it. But I can tell you right here today, without question and without even worrying about it, there is but one God and his name is Jesus and there's no mystery mystery about it but how i just don't get it how can he be both the father and the son well i think that's that's not a bad question i don't think that's i don't think we should question our questions our questions make us dig well he how can he be both the father and the son well just like he can be the lion of the tribe of judah but he's also the lamb of god how come we're not questioning that part? He's the father and the son. He's the lion and he's the lamb. How can he be both the father and the son? Just like he can be the root of David, but he can also be the offspring of David, the Bible said. Okay, how about this? Just like he can be the door of the sheepfold and also be the doorkeeper. Okay, let me break it down. How about this? He's the first. And the last, he's the alpha, but he's also the omega. He's the beginning. Come on. That's how he can be the father and the son. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. We don't question that he can be the beginning and the end. How about this? He can be the buyer, the Bible said, but he's also the price. The Bible said he's the creator, but he's also the creature. He's the offerer, but he's also the offering. Come on now. He's the king, but he's also, the Bible said, a servant. He's the good shepherd, but he's also the lamb. He's the high priest, but he's also the great sacrifice. There is but one God. How about this? He's our savior. Nobody would argue with that. But watch what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He's our savior, but he's also our sin. (laughs) Okay, how about this? The Bible said in Psalms 84 and 11, for the Lord God is a son. He's the son beating down on us that if we don't have protection from, it gets dangerous and it could hurt. But he said, for the Lord God is a son and a shield. I'm going to be the son beating down, but I'm also going to be what protects you. How about this? Let me really mess you up. The Bible says he's the great judge. So he's up on the, he's up there on, on the stand with his gavel. He's the great judge. Remember, how can he be both the father and the son? He's the great judge. He's ready to pass judgment. But the Bible said he's also the advocate. He's the defense attorney. Uh, excuse me. Uh, we, we do have a case here. Come on now. He's got the gavel. To, def- to, to judge against you, but he's also the attorney fighting for you. But how about I take it a step farther? The Bible also said he's the faithful witness. He's standing over here on the side saying, hey, I saw him get baptized in Jesus' name. I saw him repent of their sins. I saw him get the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell somebody there's only one God and he's fighting for you. Yes, he's the judge, but he's fighting for you and he believes in you. My God, we got to get a revelation. There is but one God and his name is Jesus. 
I like the way Jesus told him in Luke chapter 10. There's a lot going on and Jesus stands up and he rejoices in his spirit. Watch what he says. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, so for so it seemeth good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal it. And he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and hear those things that you hear, but they have not heard them. Listen, if you're here today and you understand who Jesus is, you're blessed. You're blessed. Now we hear this verse a lot around Christmas, but it's one of my favorite verses on this subject. Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born. Talking about a baby. All right. Unto us the son is given. Oh, it's going to be a boy. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. What? That little baby has got all government on his shoulder. He's in control, in other words. That little baby is in charge of everything. And his name. Shall be called wonderful counselor. That baby, that baby is wonderful. That baby is a counselor. It gets better though. Y'all ready? That baby is also called, is this in your Bible? The mighty God. That little old baby, Brother Grigsby, is the mighty God. But it gets better. And he's also the everlasting God. Father and the Prince of Peace. Oh, how Jesus came to earth is so amazing. He came as a baby. He was so young, but he was so old. The ancient of days is just a few hours old. He, he's so tiny, but he's so great. The God who feels all space barely feels a manger. Oh, what a God. He entered public life and they said of him, never has a man spake like this man spake. You see, Jesus never had to correct himself. Never had to apologize for what he said. Never had to correct his verbiage or go back and modify even one statement. He never, never misspoke. Politicians are constantly having to go back and correct what they say. Sorry about that. It's not what I meant. What I was trying to say was they have to fix it. Jesus didn't have to use perhaps or maybe because he knew all things. There is none like him. Hallelujah. Now, denominal theologians through the years have, have, have taught and tried to convince people that Jesus simply prepared the way for God. However, if you get in your Bible, you'll find Jesus did not come to preach the gospel. He is the gospel. Jesus didn't come to plant a vine. He said, I am the vine. Jesus didn't come to offer bread. He said, I am the bread. Jesus didn't come to reflect light. He said, I am the light. Jesus didn't come to show the door. He said, I am the door. He didn't come to point the way. He said, I am 
the way. He didn't come to introduce truth. He said, I am the truth. He didn't come to speak life. He said, I am the life. I'm telling you who he was, he is, and what he is, he shall evermore be. God Almighty, blessed above all. He's the Savior. He's the Creator. He's our Master. He's in control of all things. All the governments of the universe are on his shoulders. Oh, he came, but he was already here. He left, but he never went away. God is always in the present tense. Notice that? I love the way the scripture is the God who was and is and is to come. Buddha was past tense. Confucius was. Mohammed was. But whenever you find Jesus, he's always saying, I am. Oh, man. You understand what that's what I'm saying? That means no matter where you're at, past, present, or future, he's there. I, I don't care what you're going through. He's with you because he, he is the I am the great I am. He, come on now. Does anybody believe this? I'm talking to people that are struggling, wondering if God even has a clue what you're going through. I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost that he knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through because he is the I am God. <laughs> now I'm coming to a close. I know somebody's going to be baptized. I'm excited about that. If musicians want to come. The Old Testament is full of types and shadows. Um, someone said the Old Testament it was the sonogram and the New Testament had the baby. A lot of things we couldn't see clearly. We knew it was happening, but we just couldn't understand it. Um, now we understand in the temple there were three veils. There was a veil in the outer court, a veil in the holy place, and a veil in the holiest of holies. Hebrews chapter 10 helps us understand what that was really talking about. It says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way. Hey, this is good news. It's new and it's living. You see, you have to understand this. Before, all the other sacrifices were dead. Now, he's alive. <laughs> when he, which he hath consecrated for us, watch this, through the veil. So what did the veils really mean? We're about to find out. That is to say, his flesh. So the flesh, the three veils in the tabernacle, or the three uh, manifestations of God, they represented the flesh of God. The way, the truth, and the life. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He is those things. But they did not pass through the veils to see different gods. They passed through the veils to get greater revelation of the one true God. To see him more completely. To see him in his fullness. All the veils had to be lifted for complete revelation. Listen, you don't pass through one person to get to the next. That's why when Jesus died, the veil was rent. Boom! And now everybody is going to be able to completely see the true revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. 
Stand with me, please. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, it's so important to be baptized in his name. It's so vital to be baptized in his name. Because that's where the power is. That's where the authority is. I'm going to share with you one last revelation. I was reading some time back in Revelation chapter 19. And uh, man, it's a powerful passage. And you know, the heavens opened up and here comes this giant white horse. And there's somebody on it whose name is faithful and true. And he's in, he's in righteousness doth he judge and he's making war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many crowns. And it's like, whoa, wow, this is awesome. But I, I didn't understand it. And then he says, and he had a name written. All right, woo, a name. And the next verse bothered me. That no man knew, but he himself. Now, I don't know about you, but stuff like that really bothers me. Why do you have to tell me there's a name that I can't know? Now I want to know it. Anybody know that? You, you, if somebody has a secret and they don't tell you they have a secret, you're all right with it. But when they tell you, hey, I've got a secret, now you're like, well, I want to know. So this was bothering me. A name which no man knew but himself. And then a couple of verses later, he says, And under his clothes and on his thigh is where the name was written. Well, now you're telling me where it's at, but you still haven't told me the name. This bothers me. Why is there a name that nobody knows? What's the point? I'll raise this question at a church some time back. I had heard this, but this lady confirmed it. She came up to me when the service was over. She said, I need to talk to you, Brother Lewis. I'd never met this lady in my life. She said, I am married to a Middle Eastern man. And she said, it is today as it has been for many centuries. She said, you only expose, as a wife, you only expose your thigh to your spouse. So as a couple, and they, they consider anything above the knee as a thigh, said, you keep that private. Only your spouse sees that. And then all of a sudden, it came to me. Wait a minute. <laughs> Why can't they see the name? Because there's some things he only shows his spouse. Some things only the bride understands. I've wondered all my life I've been trying to tell people and they just couldn't get and I'm like how can you not see you know why it's because there has to come a point where Jesus says okay you're coming you're going to be my spouse now you're going to be my bride come here I'm going to show you something I can't show everybody oh I'm here to tell you if you know his name and you know who Jesus really is that's that's a revelation that only God himself can give you oh say do you know who he is you ought to clap your hands and lift your voice and thank God you know who he is I want us to pray all over this house right now I want us to pray for a spirit of revelation of this one God doctrine to begin to move in every heart come on I need you to open your mouths and help me pray 
Come on, would you help me pray? Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, all over this house, Lord, you know where everyone stands. You know where we are at. As far as what we believe, you know what's in our hearts. And I'm asking you, Jesus, right now to cause the spirit of revelation to begin to move through every heart in this place. God, I pray that you would begin to reveal to us who you really are. God, give us a hunger and a desire to know the truth like we've never known it before. Come on, help me pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray. Lord, cause your word to come alive in every heart. Come on, while we're praying, if you feel the need to be baptized in the precious name of that one God, Jesus, go ahead and slip up here. They'll get you changed and get you ready to go. Come on, we've already got at least a couple people getting ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. That's it. Come on, let's begin to pray. Come on, I want you to begin to pray for your family that God will begin to reveal who he really is to them. Come on, begin to pray that God will help us fall in love. Yeah, sing it. I am the one for whom nothing is too hard. I am the shepherd and I am the door. I am the good news to the bound and the poor. Today is a brand new day. Amen. We believe that when they come up out of this water, they're coming up under the name and the authority of Jesus' name and the blood of Jesus and brand new creations. So could you pray for them right now? Lord, we thank you for Mitchell and Cassie. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in their life. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your name and your blood being applied to their life today in baptism. And when they come up out of this water, Lord, we celebrate the fact that they come up brand new creations in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for filling them with the power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the covenant promise of your word today. In Jesus' name.
JC. They want to be baptized today. Amen. And I'm believing that God is going to take over their lives by the power of the covenant promise of his name. Brantley, what you're about to do is a huge step. You've repented of your sins and said, Jesus, be Lord over my life. You're about to go down in the waters of baptism. You're going to come up a brand new creature. Can we pray for them right now in Jesus' name? confession of your faith and the repentance of your sins. We now baptize you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the payment of those sins.
for staying and rejoicing with us. Remember, no prayer meeting or midweek service this week. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Stay safe out there.